Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Welcome once again, friends, family, and neighbors to the Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com. Another exciting adventure in the lives of marketing money and banks and financial industry, financial services, some investments. Uh, If I say investments, then I have to tell you that they are not guaranteed to go up in value and a bunch of other not guaranteed to stay the same. This marketing advice is not guaranteed to be good. Yes. so uh, It is advice. So we'll give you a little disclaimer there that uh, anything we say cannot be used against us. This is a podcast about marketing ideas and thoughts and things and tactics and stuff and all those articles that you use when you can't think of other words. And if we can't think of those things, we're going to talk about He-Man and unicorns. Um, I don't know what either one of those are. But I did see, speaking of He-Man, we did talk about an ad that we saw over the weekend on the old NFL because both of us are fans of the old pigskin game. And one was, it has Bo Jackson and the Boz in it. Oh, man. And so here's what I think is funny, and, and Josh, I'm sure, will be biting to jump in on this, is... It's a funny ad, but it's only funny if you were born like in a five-year window. Between 1978 and 1983. Yeah, because you would have to realize that Bo Jackson was incredible at Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, I mean, he was the un, I mean, you, you couldn't stop him as the character. But, I mean, can you imagine young people looking at that ad like, what's this Tecmo Bowl? What is, that's terrible. I mean, these are kids that think that like Madden two years ago looks like Atari. Yeah, and so you've got so you got that going. Then you've got you have to have known that Bo Jackson ran over the boss in the corner of the end zone. In yeah, the I mean kingdom. a very specific. Yeah, like a specific play. Like you have to know that. So happened. you had to be into video games and into sports. And it was Monday Night Football at the same. I believe time. it was Monday Night Football. But, but I mean, no, I'm talking about when when the game, like yeah. in the '80s, in like '80, whenever '86, '87. Yeah, it, it was probably like late. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, you had to be into video games and football at the same time. And I don't even know if Tecmo Bowl, I guess it would have been popular because Bo Jackson, again, was the unstoppable character. My laugh would be that the old buzzword, every marketer's dream, the millennial market. But the millennial market, everybody thinks is so wonderful, and um, we go for it too. So let's say it. But, yeah, but anybody but older than forty, are they going to know who that is? Yeah, I mean, if you're old, if you're younger than thirty-five, I, older than forty, you're probably out. Yeah, you're like, I don't know why they're and showing. If you don't this know what we're game. talking about, then that shows you how bad it was. Because anyway. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what this game is. I don't know why this older-looking athlete is in this. Who's this bald African American dude? Does a twenty-three-year-old know who Bo Jackson is right now? If you walk on campus at any com- at any school and go, "Who is Bo Jackson?" Outside of Alabama and possibly Mississippi and Georgia, does anyone know who who Bo Jackson is? What age? A twenty-two-year-old. A twenty. Your average twenty-two-year-old will not know if, who Bo if Jackson they is. if if they're not a football fan like a like a dyed in the wool football fan, I would say probably not. They certainly don't know who the Boz is, even though he had that like. 30 for 30 that's run over and over and over again and is also stone cold he, he is stone cold uh, he's, great movie with lance hendrickson for those of you who don't know he used to paint his hair the opposing team's colors before every game 
Just giving them on the side, like it on the side of his mohawk. But he only played for like three seasons, so it didn't. They got hurt. shoulder issue. Yeah, he blew up his shoulder like many others, and then he decided to go the uh, Howie Long route and become an actor. And he's been in a lot of stuff and things. A lot of a lot of stuff. So speaking of painting our heads the opposing team's color, what are we going to talk about in competing with other banks today? How did you like that? That we call that in the biz a segue. It is, but I'm going to stop the segue. For one second, I'm going to be a Segway blocker, mm. and I'm going to say I found something today. They're not paying us for this little promo on AdAge. Speaking of football, AdAge, now if you go to their website, uh, they have a Super Bowl ad archive, and you can. it looks like a little Google slit there, and you can go in and type up anything you want as far as the brand name, the ad, whatever thought you have, and it will actually pull up all the Super Bowl ads, and it will show you who was in it, when it ran, what it was about. It will even tell you the agency that made it. And there is your segue, my friend. Into what? How to choose the perfect ad agency. Well, I can end this podcast in record time. And say, call me. Call, call me. And that would be good, except for the fact that he works for our bank, and so I don't know if I would share him, share the agency with you or not. Well, we, we'll talk about that. It depends if they compete with us. If you don't compete with, if you don't compete with us. I might, I might let you. But okay, let's. But get if back. you haven't already called me, if if, if oh, my if my or, wisdom, or if you haven't called them, yes, I guess so. That's true. But you have to ask for the business. But seriously, go to AdAge and check it out. It's pretty cool if you want to see it. But let's stop messing around with that. And let's, uh, let's talk about hiring the perfect ad agency for your bank or financial institution. Well, if you find the perfect one first, call me and tell me who they are, and I'm going to try to poach some people from them. Um, perfection is, is um, hard to, to nail down. As you can find in our podcast about um, employees, choosing the right employees, finding an ad agency that, that matches up with your criteria is um, and the way that you run your bank is as important as hiring employees who do because hopefully you can hire an ad agency that you actually trust to market your your bank instead of just this kind of Hollywood painted adversarial relationship. True, because you watch Mad Men and you think, oh, all these agencies do is sit around and drink all afternoon, smoke cigarettes, and think their clients are dumb, which is not the case, and think their clients are dumb. And make up a bunch of funny stories and harass all the women in there and et cetera, et cetera. Well, that was uh, set like 50 years ago. Too. That was set 50 years ago, but people watch things and think, oh, you're in the ad business. You must make up words that persuade people to buy products that they don't need or don't want to make them feel like they have something they don't need or don't want. And then you sit around and drink all afternoon. Yeah. No drinking. No drinking. No drinking. It's really a fit issue. I mean, it, it, it absolutely is. And, and the thing I would say is it's, it's something that probably most of you need, whether to what level you can afford it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have designers on staff. I just don't know a, a small bank that would have enough volume to do it or a large bank that needs one person popping out ads every minute. I'm sure there's somebody that, that fits in the sweet spot there that needs it. But the other thing is just a to gather some more perspective that has a passion for what you do. One area I definitely do not want to want to miss in this conversation is the debate over hiring a bank specific ad agency 
and and a generalist because so many times um, I'm I'm asked about this from potential clients or from peers about which one you think. So I'd actually throw that back to you as a bank marketer. If somebody came in and said they had all this knowledge in banking and wanted to work with you versus a generalist, what do you say to that? I don't think I've ever asked you a question on the podcast. If I was going to hire a generalist. Or a specialist. Or a specialist. How would you approach it? Guys, I'm excited. I got to ask a question. To your point, I think, I hate when people say it depends, because depends are things for old folks that can't control themselves. I would say if I was a smaller bank and my billing wasn't going to be high enough to hire a generalist to give them my full attention, I'm probably going to hire a specialist. If I'm a community bank, if I'm under $500 million or even under, oh, I mean, $200 million, if I'm a smaller bank, I'm probably going to look for a specialist because I because they're going to be able to know what like-minded banks are doing. Well, they're and, going to know what you don't know. And share those Hopefully. with me. Now, if I'm a larger bank, I want a bank that has all my attention, that I'm probably one of the biggest clients they have, and I want to be able to control that relationship, which brings me... Back to answering your question, asset size would matter. Again, I, I talk about asset size a lot when I'm speaking from the banker's point of view on these calls. I think if I'm a smaller community bank, spe- I'd go specialist because I think you could have exactly what you needed. You probably don't need a lot of work. It may be some print, some digital. You might do TV, probably not, but you might do TV. But you need very specific bank-oriented marketing. If you get bigger when you need community development, uh, community relations, you need uh, – TV, you need broadcast, you need digital, you need web, you need all these different things. I'd go digit. I would go with a generalist. So number one, I w- I would be scared my stuff might look like somebody else's mm-hmm. if I use a specialist. If I'm big, if I'm big enough to afford it. Secondly, when selecting an agency, I would look at the three C's. One is capabilities. What all can they do? Two is cost. What's it going to cost me? What can I afford? And three is control. You've got to be able to control the relationship to control the message because if you have an agency that just runs wild and does stuff outside of your relationship thinking it's a good idea for the bank but but does not understand compliance doesn't understand budgeting doesn't understand that the message for your bank might not be what they think the message is they need to deliver in a marketing space you've got some problems so minor capabilities cost and control what are the those are the three things that i've got to look at and when i talk about capabilities can they Shoot film in-house or video, depending on what you use. You're in California. You may use film because you're in the film industry, but if you're the Bank of the West or something. But my point is, can they shoot video in-house? Do they have access to a studio or is everything outsourcing and finding someone else to do it? Do they have their own equipment? What are they renting versus what they have? And I know some of you are saying, well, I don't care what they do, but when it comes to getting something done, those little details can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there there are times um, in our relationship where we used a freelancer and through our transparency, you knew this, to edit. And I mean, the guy just couldn't get it done. And, and they and they don't know the message of the bank. They, they can make it look like it's a Hallmark card shop. Right. And you're going, that's not who we are. But that's they don't the know message. what to leave and, and to yeah. put in. And, and and the control side is when they, you know, don't get it done. And when I'm talking about control, I'm not talking about like you're running the agency and they're at your beck and call unless you're 
our agency because they have to do that for me. Yeah. But but, other, my, but I'm just talking about controlling the message. My name is Be- Beck and Call. <laughs> but the uh, the controlling of the message and the control of the marketing and the budget is the agency going to be a bunch of you know creatives have a bad reputation of not being time sensitive, being just oh this is a cool idea and it's really awesome man, and then you're like but it doesn't make any sense to to our clientele and it, the message doesn't work for the bank. So you've got to make sure you can tr- control at least in a general sense the way the agency interacts with you. Well, that's the thing you hear me talk about so much, too much probably for a marketer, is um, the compliance and legal side of it. It's this technical thing. If you want to be as creative as you can be, you can't get tripped up in, in the, the blocking and tackling, the, since this is also a football podcast somehow. Um, touchdown. Touchdown. Extra point. It's good. Having someone that understands at least has a tacit understanding of of legal and compliance. One, that maybe it's just a thing, that, that anything they design has to be compliant. I actually think that's important, you know, when we talk about generalist versus specialist. Somebody's at least had to have some... I, I cannot imagine... yeah, if you're compliance-oriented, the specialist is, is probably a better route to go. I mean, I can't imagine somebody popping up out of the blue, some mom-and-pop, three-person, five-person, ten-person marketing firm, Never done banking before. Works for something like a two hundred fifty million and above. I know five hundred million is kind of your cutting off point, but somebody who doesn't just do like a Christmas ad here or a banker announcement there, um, being able to do it. I mean, there's just got to. I mean, it, you got to plug into the knowledge base. It's here. Do you know what non-interest DDA means and why? Why a bank would go after deposits versus going to the federal home loan bank or whatever? I mean, do you do you understand um, the basic principles of banking? It's tough to. It. it I mean, I, I'm a guy who did it. I I onboarded with a bank. Honestly, by doing by starting with a smaller bank, uh, Renaissance as it was growing and as we were growing, but um, it, it is tough. Yeah, and then you also got to look at cost because there's certain agencies that aren't going to work for a smaller bank because they know they won't be able to bill enough to make it worth their time. But then on the reverse side, uh, there's banks that you know want to pay more or can't pay enough for that big agency from the bank's perspective. So I'd say you've got cost, and some of that cost can be do you pay them to place media? If you're going to buy a lot of media, I'd say if you're going to spend over $500,000 in TV placement or more, you probably need a professional placement service within I'd the say agency. over hundred. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's too hard to do. And, and to, even if you're buying in social media, I mean, the thing is, you have to look at Facebook with um, Power Editor and all the stuff that, that that they can do. And again, this, of course, I would say this right because I'm the guy that gets paid to do it. I, I mean, I run an agency, so think about it as running a, a bank marketing department. And and you do the same as far as running, you know, the messaging side of everything. I mean, imagine just a hundred thousand dollars placing that and the granularity of the follow up, and the reconciliation of the billing and and um, making sure that you're make goods. If you're even buy, if you're buying TV versus when it ran and what's the performance. Who's the monitoring it? Someone's got to monitor it. I mean, it's just. I mean, honestly, it's nightmarish. I mean, there's a definite point in in an agency internally, and this is now we're gonna go inside baseball. baseball. There yeah. you go. But where it flips over where you can be this tiny little agency that will create a firm that pops out a, a PowerPoint here and a you know, maybe a TV spot here or these little print ads With there. Video or something. But um, once you get into a certain volume with a certain level of responsibility, it's tough. So 
somebody that's um, cute and fun or got a good personality, a cool guy that you you know drink some beers with or play golf with, it, it's definitely worth vetting of who who's holding which responsibility and how that lines up with cost. Yeah, and that's definitely part of cost because it's not only the cost of placing the ad, it's the the cost of paying the agency to to place the ad and, and to create and the, it. And the, and the, well, then create. Those are two different things. I want mm-hmm. people to know that when an, when an agency in the traditional modern agency. There's a billing for the creative process, which is production, sound, lighting, post-production, what, you know, whatever goes into it. The, the hiring of the actors, the casting, the wardrobe, makeup, any of that that you have in an ad, if we're talking television spot or even a graphic design, motion graphic spot. Or, or just a print ad. I mean, you may have stock photo and fonts and, and um, you know, then the layout time. But then there's placement. And then there's placement, and so you've got you've got two lines of billing for an agency that are two very different jobs. So when people say, "Well, I paid fifteen percent uh, in my media placement costs," doesn't that cover the other? No, it doesn't. Because that's work. Because that's Place, work. Placing media is placing absolute. media is a is a especially the bigger you get, you sound like Biggie Smalls here. Bigly. More money, more problems. It is more problems the more money you spend on placing television ads because just managing the relationships with with media outlets and making sure that they have the right traffic and all that look well and how bif- if that's the right word bifurcated trifurcated Tri- no it's quadruplicated because you've got cable satellite broadcast digital then digital then it breaks up into uh, pre-roll placement and social placement and um, geo placement and you get all this it's so separate there's so many lines of placement now it's not just hey call the big three call fox cbs nbc abc and you know whatever and place it it's so much work so when and the thing is is you've gone through this um from that still in the community bank size into a larger regional bank of what it feels like to market it like i mean when you're when you're looking at a state market that maybe has you know let's say on you know, the smaller or the larger community bank, smaller regional bank size has 20 to 50 branches. And you can kind of wrap your arms around all those branches and go visit them and know the presidents and kind of know those media outlets. As you begin to expand, I mean, it is, it is as you said, more money, more problems, but just it's a different realm of, of what you feel like you can do and be effective as a bank marketer versus the things that may exist. And then one day you look up and you find something that you didn't even know it existed. It just dropped this new technique drops down. Well, I've been doing TV and print and, and here's Facebook. addressable advertising out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And, um, or, or here's geofencing. Well, I heard of it. I just didn't know it was accessible to me. I didn't know how to buy it down to the, the, the in-depth marketing side, very complex CRM systems that can tie into your core services that can pull data and then let you market in a one-to-one fashion or arm your sales team. Just, it is mind-boggling to me as a, as a guy that owns an agency with 20-some-odd people as of this recording. The marketing options you have today. And just never having enough resources to do what all you could do if yeah. you could afford to do it. If you it. could afford to do it. And so some other things of cost is uh, retainer versus by project or by campaign. I mean, there's many times you can go to the agency and just say, hey, I need an ad for this. What's it going to cost me? Or you actually hire them as an agency of record and you pay them certain fees per month. So you've got that. You've got, and um, Josh can speak this because I think it's something he's proud of, and some agencies hate him for doing it. But um, uh, I believe, if I'm correct, you don't charge per meeting. 
And there's some agencies that do that. There's some agencies that charge like a law firm. In other words, they bill you for time. Some bill for project if they're an ad hoc agency. Some of record have enough in a retainer and then through media buys and creative outside of that cost throughout the year that they can afford to give the full relationship without having to bill you for every email you send them. Well, we talk about differentiation in businesses. So, I mean, it it shouldn't be a wonder to you that I wanted to differentiate mine and, and working with other ad agencies. Um, the fact that you got the kind of, sorry to pick on attorneys out there, but the attorney-based billing that every time an email goes through, every time you look at an invoice again, now look, um, anything can, can be overdone and underdone as well. But if there's not a value-add basis, if, there's not, if we're not sitting down in a marketing planning strategy meeting that there's no other deliverable, that you're coming to – I'll bill you for a meeting that you're coming to me for my ex, just the expertise. That's all I want out of this meeting. But if it's a meeting that we're discussing a media plan that I'm going to also profit off of, yeah, I, mean, shoot, no- I need you to shoot three ads, a web-based campaign, television spots, print ad. I want social on this. I want this big campaign. You're like, okay, let's meet four times to talk about it. Yeah, because it's going to make the end product better. Let's say that that's I don't know. I didn't even get all that. But let's say that's three hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff, or I'll say a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. There's no other industry in the world when you're if you're selling. $100 worth of nuts and bolts to a car manufacturer, the nuts and bolts manufacturer doesn't get to, to charge for the meeting. Yeah. Um, there's no other industry where that works, where it's a pure sales meeting advancing a project. Just you consultants, know, my, lawyers. My person, and, yeah, I'm proud of it. Consultants it, and lawyers. Um, <laughs> That's it's, it. Um, and, and look, like I said, there, there, there are times for value where, where there is value in the meeting, but for us... I don't want to be in a creative meeting where you're about to hit a breakthrough because this stuff is tough. You're sitting there naming. Um, strangely enough, earlier today we're looking at naming a product and beating up names. Is it going to be this crazy, esoteric, fluffy term, or is it going to be very hard-nosed and serious and descriptive? Well, that takes time to get through, and you're throwing all these dumb ideas and all that and good ones. If the clock's ticking um, dollar signs off behind – um, my head against the client, there may be a chance where you cut a meeting short that you're right close to the to the breakthrough. So if you can find somebody that does that, <laughs> who just doesn't do it because they're not good enough, then then you're probably close to a good agency. So as I go back through the decision-making process, I want to say, one, the first thing you need to look for, and, and these are in my opinions, again, as we said at the beginning, are our opinions, even though sometimes we disagree, is capabilities. What capabilities do you need for your bank and what agency matches the capabilities? If you're a small community bank or small regional bank, you don't need a New York, you know, Madman, Madison Avenue, and, and Chicago, L.A. You don't need one of these giant marketing agencies that comes in is going to bill you $300 an hour and make you go to L.A. to $1, shoot. $1,000 an hour. Just You don't need that. No. You're not a national brand. As much as the quality of the production might look awesome, you're not going to be able to afford the placement with the pro- with the production. So look at the capabilities of, for what you need and look at the capabilities of the marketing agency. Yeah, And one thing I'll throw in between this and cost because it's got to be the next one. I've had this discussion so much the last couple of weeks that um, it bears repeating because we're getting into budget season Clients talk, and we've, we've talked about budget on the podcast before, but so many times clients look at me because I'm the guy representing the agency at this um, at the table. We are sitting at a table for all you at home. On a beach. <laughs> I wish. In a back room of my studio. The issue of budget. So 
I ask a client for a budget, so I have a parameter. You're the client. Well, I don't want to give the agency the budget because they'll spend it all. What you have to realize is whether or not you give them the budget, whether it's an issue of privacy or not, you can get an NDA. Don't be talking to an agency that you couldn't trust to give your budget to. Because here's what it gets down to. If they make a recommendation to do something stupid with it, which is what you're worried about, they're going to go spend all my money. They can't spend all your money because it's your money. You're still in control of the money, and you can you can say, this is idiotic what you've recommended. So so it actually gives the, the agency a chance to prove their worth. What would you do with my budget? And that worth may be very high that they're additive or that they're they prove their worthlessness. But there is no danger in sharing your budget with someone other than privacy, which you can um, contract around. And then again, let them prove themselves in that budget. They may bring something to the, to the table. And again, bleeding hard over here, pleading for, for my um, sector of the, of the world. They may bring back something you've never thought of. Yeah, well, I, I just think you have to trust your agency. And cost was going to be my next one in the in I've, I've now added a fourth one in the four C's of choosing choosing the right or perfect market. Trustworthy. So you've got, not trustworthy, but you've got capabilities, one. What can they do? Because, again, and second would be cost. Can you afford what you want? Can you afford it? Third is and is going to be control. Controlling the message, control the agency. There's a lot of ad agency owners, um, and you can speak this too, that are hard chargers, great business people, and they think their ideas are the best ideas, and all, they can't other, listen. all other ad agencies are terrible. They're dumb, and our ideas are the best, and we're the best. And somewhat to be good in anything, you have to think you're the best, or at least think you have some of the best abilities, which we all think we have the best or good abilities to do stuff, great abilities, but... They won't listen to any, like, that's just dumb. Well, we have to do that because the CFPB says we have to. But why do you have to put those disclaimers on? They mess up the the aesthetics of the ad. Well, we have to or we and, will get sued. And don't know? think we haven't heard it yeah. <laughs> from some people that have worked for me in the past who just didn't understand it. And some people, some of those <laughs> stayed, some of them didn't. Why can't we do free checking? It's their or, money. Or why can't we use the phrase, we make loans? Yeah. How else do you say it? I mean... Being able to to at least you know maybe that control is converse or something, you know we can we can um, beat that term up, but I can tell you this from the guy the competitors that I worry about that, that I see working with clients I really um, see where there's a mistake made is that they almost don't have ears they just can't even they can't listen. Yeah, so that comes with control. Again, I'm not talking about controlling the agency. I'm talking about controlling the message, controlling your budget, making sure being in control, in control of your marketing. And then finally, this is for running down the four. The, the fourth one is the culture, the culture of the agency and the culture of the bank. Do they match up? And that's why it's the fourth one because if the capability is just putting together a print ad for a, a new hire announcement, the culture really doesn't matter. It's just them putting together an ad, you approving it, and put it out there. If it's a small run project, we need to hire someone to to do lighting for something or something ad hoc on the side. Culture doesn't matter. But if you're talking about your your agency of record, the capabilities are obviously super important. The cost is going to be important. The ability to control your marketing is important. But the culture has to match up, especially if you're going to build a long-term relationship. Because if the culture doesn't match up, you're going to have one person wanting to do something and one person to the other, and there's going to be friction. And look, professional friction is good when it's argument over ideas and argument over better ways to do stuff. But when it becomes 
so bad that one agency saying or the agency saying it's, this is bad and y'all are stupid, y'all are dumb, and they're going, we can't do that because we can't afford it, or we can't do this because it's not compliant, and it gets into this just nothing gets done, and then you you get into the just where nothing happens, no the one can make a decision, and it just gets it nothing gets done. I may not be as old as I sound. But, but you're definitely as old as you look. I'm, no, I'm not quite as old <laughs> as I look either, sadly, um, I guess. But the young people today, you know, creatives are, are a different sect. And let's say you have a, you know, there's an ad agency out there that just doesn't believe in banking. Well, I mean, that's probably going to be a bad cultural fit that, that is bought into the media stereotypes that all banks are bad and all banks are like the the bad ones probably going to have some friction no matter how creative they are. And um, I've seen it. Um, I've seen people, e- even in my recruits, oh, you work for a bank, I wouldn't work for you. Well, use it. just saying bank is a generic term, dirty word, is obviously wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with the profit. That's it. And um, if they really understood the financial underpinning of banks and, and what they do in our economy, then, you know, they would probably work for me the culture what what i've always tried to do and and this is different and it may seem like a lack of integrity but it really works both ways is um, be an extension of each of our clients so when i say lack of integrity oh you act this way with one person no and you act this way with another no no we try to work with clients who even our clients generally work together because they might have a cultural fit down the line, not because of referrals, but our clients tend to bank with Renaissance because we have a cultural fit with Renaissance. Those clients have a cultural fit, so they they happen to work together. I'll say it this way. If you have to um, look at the vendor meeting day and say, I don't want to go meet with them, it's 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 time to move on. There are other fish in the sea. Yeah, yeah. Where I like looking at it going, I don't get to meet with my agency today, that means – you gotta go do some banking stuff. Yeah, I'm not gonna get throw around some ideas and come up with some new tactics and whatever. So again, uh, we've run up on our our time limit for today. Uh, so I appreciate you if you've stuck around for the Marketing Money Podcast this long at marketingmoneypodcast.com. Uh, but let's close out with the four C's of choosing the right ad agency. One is capabilities, two is cost, three is control, and four is culture. Because if you get through the other three. The fourth one is just the culture to make sure you can work together because they've obviously met your needs in the other area. So for Marketing Money Podcast, this is the one and only Johnny Oxford signing off with Mr. Joshua Mabus. Say goodbye to our friends, Josh. Uh, Happy end of 2016, so you're in 2017. Yeah, we're going to bust it in 17 later. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mabus Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.